0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. Hey, let me just ask this question really quick to everyone worshiping with us in the venue, Annanor Platt, and here in our main auditorium. How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life worshiping God with us? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. It's an honor to have you with us here today. Uh, we are continuing our current teaching series entitled Apostles Creed. You're sitting in uh, actually one of our three auditoriums, so I definitely want to make sure I say hello to our, our family that's out in North Platte today, uh, worshiping with us here at this 11 o'clock service, and I believe we have some North Platte, uh, North Platte people that are here with us even in our Carney main auditorium. <laughs> way to go. Somehow they snuck out. You let them go and they arrived here. It's so cool to be able to actually be in another town, but yet still worship with your same church. And I think that's fantastic. I love that. So isn't that great guys? Come on. It's exciting. I want to say hello to everyone worshiping with us down in the venue as well. What an honor it is to be one church in multiple locations. And so today this is one of our six worship services. People ask me at times, they're like, man, this, this church structure is like totally different. How does it work? And I, I will just say this to you, that if you come tonight to our members meeting, you will hear all of the uh, statistics that we track on the growth of the church, salvations, uh, people that uh, are getting baptized in water, Um, you'll this you'll you're going to hear how does this work and i think what you're going to find is you're going to be blown away at the what what god's doing uh through this church now we're just one church there's a lot of great churches in carney there's a lot of great churches in north platte so we're just doing the way we're just doing church the way we feel like god's called us to and we're going to continue to be faithful to that to the best of our ability amen all right well hey if you've been with us for the past few weeks then you know that we've been going through this apostles creed we've been using the creed to point us to scripture Okay, and so let me just kind of show you where we've been and then I'll show you where we're getting ready to go This is where we've been I believe in god the father almighty the creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ His only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary Suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he being jesus. He descended to the dead The third day, he arose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And then here's what we're going to focus on today. So why don't you just go ahead and read this little portion with me. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. So let's just jump right in. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, don't forget the creed. Why was the creed written? The creed was written so that all that called themselves Christian would be able to be united under a banner of the same doctrinal belief. So Christianity is new. It's only, it's only a couple hundred years old. And they decide we need something to make sure that uniformity comes to Christianity so that everybody knows what it is they need to believe and why they need to believe it. And so that's kind of how we use this creed. So when they say, I believe... In the Holy Spirit, what was it that they were trying to get across to us? Now, I can tell you this, we could, we could have a whole teaching series, of which we did have a whole teaching series, Forgotten God, on the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to be able to tackle every little detail. We're going to focus in on the essentials. One of the essentials is this, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. A lot of the times, the Holy Spirit kind of gets the, um, the leftovers when we think about God. But what you need to know today is the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. This is classic Christian doctrine, that God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and then in God the Holy Spirit. And that's important for us to understand, uh, because the, the person of the Holy Spirit that is God it's not an it, it's not an entity that just is floating around out there ambiguously trying to find him and then manipulate him for our own usage. That's what more of an Eastern mindset is. Like, have you guys ever watched any of the Star Wars movies? Anybody here willing to admit that in public? Okay. All right. I've watched, has anybody watched all of them? Yeah. All right, there we go. Thank you, my people. All right. All um, right. Yes, I've watched them, I remember watching them when I was a kid, when they first came out, you know, I was old enough to go to the movie theater, and I've watched them all the way to this date, and so I'm not like a fanatic, I don't own a suit or anything, but if I was going to go trick-or-treating, I'd probably go as one of the Star Wars characters. That just lets you know, I like those things, alright? So, here, here's the deal though, in an Eastern mindset, it's very much like the movies uh, that you see with, uh, with Star Wars, the Jedi and their manipulation of what they call the Force, this mindset is still alive, even on planet earth today, where people believe that there's this force, the spirit of the universe, that if they meditate just right, they do the right rituals, they practice you know, the right regimen, that somehow they can harness the power of the force, they can harness the power of the spirit, and they can cause the spirit to work on their behalf for their agenda. I'm going to tell you right now, Christianity sees the Holy Spirit just the opposite. The Holy Spirit is not for us to manipulate for our agenda. The Holy Spirit in Christianity fills the believer. It's the reason why Jesus said it's better that I go because Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, was bound by the physical body of being one place at one time. The Spirit of God is able to be in the hearts of every believer everywhere at all time. Massive bonus, massive advantage. We talked about that last week. So the Holy Spirit in Christianity lives inside the believer. So now that the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of God living in you, what in the world should be happening? Our lives should be radically changing. Our lives should start to see changes in our attitudes, and our beliefs, and the way we talk, and the way we love, and the way we show compassion. All of that should start to change. We should start to look and feel and love more like the Holy Spirit would the Holy Spirit lives in us and that's not happening, then we are marginalizing the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So the Holy Spirit's agenda is for us to become more like God in the way we love, believe, and act. The Holy Spirit's agenda is for us to become more righteous in the way we live. You become more pure in the way we think. The Holy Spirit is not there for us to manipulate so that he ends up looking more like us. And there's two critical things that the Holy Spirit's doing and working, uh, these tools that He's using to shape us into the people of God. And so these two essential things is where I want to focus in on. The first one is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we get that terminology really from um, Galatians chapter 5, where it says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What does He produce? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and even self-control. Guys, I would say to you that these virtues, as they come alive in us, are the evidence that the Holy Spirit's at work in us. So stop for a moment and reflect on those virtues. Are you seeing love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control increasing in you? Or is it dormant? Is it stagnant? Because I'm going to tell you this, this Holy Spirit is not stagnant. He's moving constantly, trying to project the very likeness and image of God through our lives. So he's not stagnant. So if the fruit of the Spirit has grown stagnant, there's something else at work in us that's limiting the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that even the early church recognized as being crucial to the mission of God. See, the consistency of the fruits of the Spirit being manifest in our lives become like the attractant agent for the world for them to say, I want to follow that Jesus that you're following. It's the fruit of the Spirit in our life that becomes the thing that is, just like fruit is, tastes good. Just like fruit is, physically smells good. Just like fruit is good for us, the fruit of the Spirit is the agent that is being broadcast into our community through your lives that's letting the world see the the very acts of Christ being lived out in you and through you. So the desire of every true believer needs to be, Jeff Baker needs to be this. If I'm a true believer of Jesus, I should have a deep desire and passion to see more of the fruit of the Spirit being evident in my life. That's where it starts. That's the beginnings of the Holy Spirit. But let me just say this to you. I could end my sermon right now and put an exclamation mark and put a dot behind it and say to you, you just got the gold of the message. That everything else I talk about is an add on. That was the gold. Now let's build on that. Because the second thing that the Holy Spirit is working and trying to achieve in our life is working the gifts of the Spirit through our life. We find a listing of these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a little lengthy, so follow along with me. It says the one person, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give. Wise advice. These are gifts to another. The same spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, uh, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to what perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. Contin- he continues. He gives uh, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. So, kind of discernment, right? But still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So let's just look at it from this perspective, right? We had the fruits of the Spirit, now I just gave you this laundry list of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I, I'm just going to help you discern the differences between these two. The fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works is that you, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's wanting to work the fruits of the Spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's where things change because that's now when the Holy Spirit has you. That's when he has you. And that, that delineation between those two things, you having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you, is where a lot of people draw the line and they go, well, I don't know if I want to go that far because if the Holy Spirit has me, and he uses me in any of those forms that you just read. Wow, that could be embarrassing. Or what if it doesn't happen right? Or so on and so forth. And we draw this line where we can, we can adopt the fruit of the Spirit, even though we may not be actively pursuing it. But we draw a line sometimes and we say, well, I never want to go to the gifts area. Let me just say this to you, that from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's very evident what the gifts are for. In fact, it says it in verse 7. Um, it said this the gifts of the spirit are for helping one another for helping one another so let me just ask you these questions do you want to be a person that helps encourage one another like people that are in this room you want to be an encourager to others that are at church with you right now yes or no then you need the gifts of the holy spirit do you you want to be a person that helps carry the load or the weight or the burden of another person that's sitting in this, in this facility right now with you, whether in North Platte or the venue or here. You want to help carry the weight so that you can love them in a very practical way? Would, would that be something that you would be willing to help with? Then you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You want to be somebody that helps build the faith of the congregation to focus more and more on Jesus? Yeah, you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Primarily, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are to help us refocus our full attention on God. Unfortunately, in some circles of Christianity, which is broad, in some circles, the the focus and the attention of the gifts of the Spirit has been more on the person. And there's been great harm done, and there's been great manipulation and it has burnt people, and it's been abused, and it's caused people to kind of say, I don't want to go to that side of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I'll stay over here on the fruit. See, because we tend to feel superior personally when the Holy Spirit were to work a gift in us and through us. There's something about our humanity that trips us up, and many times we can't, we can't handle it, and we, we start to feel superior. Like, wow, look at me. Look at how the Holy Spirit uses me. Look at what the Holy Spirit did through me. And the emphasis is not the Holy Spirit. The emphasis is me. And then on the flip side, we tend to idolize those who demonstrate an authentic Holy Spirit gift. We tend to kind of elevate them like, whoa, look how powerful they are. Look how amazing they are. We'll flip on the TV and we'll look at different people and we'll be like, man, how come we don't have somebody like that in our church? We need that, right? And so we idolize and we lift up. And here's the big trap. Here's what happens. We get our attention more on the gift than we do the giver. When that was never the intention of spiritual gifts in the first place. The the intention of spiritual gifts that we just talked about and the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you is to bring glory and honor authentically and purely to God. Never about you. It's never about you. It's always about what God wants to do. So I would say this today. Do we have a world that needs to see the power of God at work? And the answer is yes. And if it's yes in your heart, that's, the, that's part of the justification of why we need the gifts of God's Spirit. So we need both sides. You know, We need both the fruit and we need the gifts. Let me just illustrate it for you for a moment. Let's say that you ironically got a $20 bill, Right? And this $20 bill was only printed on one side, the front or the back. It doesn't matter. Front is printed on one side. And you ended up getting the $20 bill. Okay, now you looked at the $20 bill and you noticed it was only printed on one side, but you decided anyways, I wonder if this will spend, right? I'm going to give it a shot. Now intuitively, you know, this is probably not going to work, but you go to the store, you fill your cart with $20 worth of goods and you go up to the cashier and you lay the $20 worth of goods up on the counter and they start checking it all out and sure enough, it comes out to be $20 exactly. You did good math. So you pull out of your pocket your $20 bill that's been printed by, this, by the, uh, the US uh, you know, Department of Treasury, and you got it, but it was just only printed on one side. So it's authentic, it's authentic paper, it's only printed on one side. So when you hand the teller the $20 bill, you hand it to her with the side that's printed up, don't you? Absolutely you do. Because you're like, I'm just going to see if this could work. So you hand them the $20 bill and the, the teller checks both sides of the bill and realizes only one side has been printed. Does the teller continue on with the transaction? No. And neither would you. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know why you wouldn't do it. Because at the end of the day, you've got to clear your cash drawer and you've got to justify every transaction. So of course you're not taking the, the, the money. You're not taking it because it won't work. It's only printed on one side. And this is the very same thing with the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't limit the Holy Spirit to one side or to the other side. We need both sides to make the power of the Holy Spirit work. We believe... In a Holy Spirit that has both the ability to create the fruit, the virtues of God in you, and the power of God through you, and we need both of them. Now, with that said, which one do we seek more than the other? We we should be seeking the fruit of the Spirit more than we seek the gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is only going to be as pure as the fruit of the Spirit only as beneficial as the fruit of the Spirit. What do we do with the gift of the Spirit? We surrender with faith. God, I'm available and I'm willing to be used by you. When, if, and how you want to. One, the fruit we seek. Two, the gift we surrender to. That's very important to know. But there's another work of the Holy Spirit that many times we completely overlook that the writers of this creed were trying to drive home for us. It is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the greatest work. You know what the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is? The authorship of God's word. The greatest work. This is what Second Peter has to say about this effort. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets moved by what the holy spirit and they spoke from from god the greatest work it's through the bible that the holy spirit can speak so boldly and so clearly to our lives why do you think that for since new life has been in existence at least i know this from the predecessor before me bob Bob wine drove home the power of God's word and we continue to drive home the power of God's word today And the reason for it is the holy spirit uses it to speak boldly to our lives and he changes us It's through the bible that the holy spirit takes us on a radical life transforming journey That's why jesus said in john 14 that the spirit the holy spirit is the spirit of what? truth he's the spirit of truth It means the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to every good and perfect thing. He wants to lead you to every good and perfect freedom and victory that you're seeking after right now. He wants to lead you to every good and perfect act of righteousness that you're desiring to live by. It's his effort. That's his desire. He wants to do that with you. The Holy Spirit is the one like tug of rope pulling on your life. Pulling you closer and closer to God. He wants to help you have this very close personal relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit's desire to walk out this perfect plan in your life. A plan that leads the truth that liberates and sets you free. We need to focus on him. Focus on him with all that we have. Similarly, like you would focus on a house guest that comes into your house have you ever had someone come and stay in your house for, you know, one, two, three days, maybe four? Have you ever had family or friends come over and stay with you? What was your attention on them like? Did you just kind of like put them in a spare bedroom and then not give them any extra attention? Did you just kind of like bring them into your house and someone's like, yep, yeah, great. There goes, that. there goes that illustration. Yeah, you don't bring guests into your house and then just blow them off you don't do that. That's not how we would, that's just not how we are in in America. It's not who we are in the Midwest. It's not who we are in Nebraska. I got a larger amen out of that than some of this powerful stuff we were preaching. (laughs) That's awesome. Here's what you do. You clean your house better than you've ever cleaned it before. You know that's true, right? You, uh, you You take time to enjoy their company. You fix special meals for them. You do things that you wouldn't normally do. Some of you, you'll stay up later with them. You know, you would go to bed early, but, man, you would stay up late with them, just chit-chatting and talking and reminiscing. You show them the greatest hospitality that anybody's going to get in that house. Like, they get fresh towels, right, even with a, even with a washcloth. Does anybody ever even use a washcloth anymore? Uh, They get fresh towels. Your towel is like stiff, like a board, standing next to your shower. They they get a fresh one. It's got scent, smells good. You went through their room and you used Febreze on everything, right? I mean, you, you just go over the top. You change the thermostat so it matches their comfort level, not yours. And then eventually you say to them, my casa, su casa, right? My house, it's your house. What I have... You have, if there's anything I can do for you, and then you go as bold and over the top as this, if there's anything, like anything I can do for you, <laughs> let me know and I'll help you. It doesn't even matter what time it is, like three o'clock in the morning, just knock on my door, I'll do it for you. By like your own kids, you'd be like, shut up, go to bed. <laughs> right? But a guest is in your house and you're going to give them the best. Look what happens. The attention gets off of you and it gets onto them. That's what happens. This transition takes place where all the attention was on you, but now you've got someone special there and all the attention goes to them. This is a beautiful picture of what a relationship should look like with the Holy Spirit. He's in your house, He's living in the house of your heart. Is He getting the preferred treatment? Or is he getting the the treatment that normal people get? All too often, because of the person of the Holy Spirit being so close to us, we stop giving him the preferential treatment. Some homework for you I want you to do today or somewhere in this week. I want you to go read, so you might want to write this down. I want you to go read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And I want you to do two critical things with that. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it's the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to read that and thank God for the fruit of the Spirit that's active in your life. Thank him for that. Praise him for that, okay? And secondly, I want you just to simply offer this prayer to God. God, which one of these virtues are you wanting to work on my life more than the others? Find one of those and then start devoting yourself in prayer to that or devoting yourself to reading about that virtue How you can grow in that way so you can team up with what god's doing Here's the second piece of the assignment that I want you to do. I want you to go and take first corinthians chapter 12 I want you to read the whole chapter the whole chapter Read the whole chapter. Look at what God has to say about the gifts of his spirit why he gives them What he wants to do with them And then I want you, I want you to pray a simple prayer of surrender to God. God, if these gifts are things that you want to use in my life, in any capacity and in any form, by faith, I offer myself to you. Use me. Let let the gifts of your spirit flow through me for one reason, so that, God, you would get the glory and that your kingdom would grow The Apostles' Creed went on and it said that next statement that we're going to look at, which was, you know, that I believe, I believe that the, in the Holy Christian Church. Now, if many of you have maybe come from environments and church backgrounds where you've quoted this and you've been wondering to yourself, why did we use the Holy Christian Church versus what the, what the, the mainstream or the, you know, the predominant usage of the Apostles' Creed uses the Holy Catholic Church? And for one reason, and that was because I didn't want to confuse you, Early on. Many people look at that the Holy Catholic Church and they think to themselves, like, well, I'm not gonna profess any faith to the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And that's not what they're trying to say here at all. In fact, if you look closely, you'll notice that it was a it was a lowercase C, not a capital C. So a lowercase C of the word Catholic, that word has a meaning to it, and that meaning is universal. It literally, the Apostles' Creed is speaking to us, and it's saying the larger universal church. What is the universal church? It's those who profess faith in God through Christ, that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life to have relationship with God. And by the way, there are millions of believers scattered around the world in multiple different countries, worshiping today under multiple different banners of, you know, denominational names that fall underneath this universal church, the holy Catholic church, this church that professes that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we are just one part of it. And there was something about this statement that these early leaders, spiritual leaders, wanted to drive into the hearts of believers throughout the generations that would quote it, that you and me are not better than the guys across the street. That you and me, we're not better than the guys down the street, but that we are part of one larger body, this universal body that joins together underneath the things we agree upon, the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he died, that he rose again, right, and on and on throughout the creed. And that's who we are. That's who we are even here at New Life. We recognize we are just doing our part Doing our part in advancing the kingdom and doing our part in pointing people to Jesus. And the church isn't perfect. No church is perfect, right? But you don't give up on the church. Don't give up on it. Jesus hasn't given up on it, and he's not going to give up on it. In fact, it's just the opposite. You want to know the heart that Jesus has for the church? Take a look at this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her what? To make her holy, cleansing her uh, by the washing with the water through the word. Jesus, how, how much does he love the church? Gave himself up for her. What's he doing now? Working at all that he can to beautify his church. New life. You and me being the church. Why? Because Jesus would, if Jesus was standing here, he would look at you and me and he would say, the church is the hope of the world. My spirit living in you and my spirit living through you, you little mini churches walking out into the community, us corporately gathering together as the church. It's the hope of the world. Jesus is passionate about his love for the church. And he wants the church to display his incredible passion to the world around us in these types of ways like, let the church be a place of healing, let the church be a place of refuge for the hurting, let the church be a lighthouse for the lost to find their way in. Let the church be a place where, you know, believers can grow and become more like Christ. Let the church be a place where fellowship and belonging takes place. That hope of the world, the local church, proclaiming all of those things and so much more about how amazing God is. Why? Well, primarily because from a study of humanity we've discovered that we really look for three critical places to belong we look at home we look at work and then we look for this third place this third place should be the church it's a place where people know my name it's a place where i fit in it's a place where i have significant relationships unfortunately over the generations the church has drifted from being that third place for people and that third place has been substituted with the bar or with the sports team right Uh, that place it's been substituted with the coffee shop it's that place now where these people know my name these people believe in me these people are where i have my most significant relationships this is where i really fit in and i would just say to you what would happen if the church became that significant third place again what would happen to our community if where we found our place to belong we found our significance we found our greatest relationships what if it was in the church again instead of some entity that's out there substituting itself, basically, I would go even as far to say prostituting itself into the place that the church is supposed to be. It's here that we should find some of our greatest, most significant relationships. It's here where we should find our most significant belonging. It's here. This is where it's really supposed to take place. So how would that happen? What would we have to do? How would we have to live if we wanted the church to have such a significance again in the community? We're going to have to start loving loving this church like Christ loves this church. Now before you go, amen. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her. It's a big statement. It's lengthy. It could be an entire sermon just by itself. But that's that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to start loving this church like Christ loves it. That means that we're going to have to start letting the mission of the church really permeate our lives. It needs to penetrate into everything we do. We need to protect the unity of this church. Because it's Christ's church. It's the one that he died for. It's what we've been given to find relationships with one another, but more importantly, to find relationship with God. And you know what that even means? It means that we have to give financially to see the mission of this church accomplished. Because this is what God's established. This is what he gave. This is, what, this is one of the beacons of light in our community of North Platte and Kearney that is broadcasting to this community that Jesus is alive. But we also have to promote uh, the church as the hope of the world. By inviting others. And for some of you that are new with us, by making room for others. There's always room for more. Always room for more. That's why we did this whole thing called Pave the Way. So we could pave the way for more to come. So do we believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Lower C? Absolutely. Do we live for that? Yeah. Would we die for it? Yeah. Yeah, we would. Because it's brothers and sisters bound together by a union that's stronger than anything that's ever been existed on this earth. It's the bonds of Jesus Christ. And they're brothers and sisters, by the way. So what's the last one? Very quickly, we believe in the communion of saints. Jesus established this in the Last Supper with his disciples. Um, He drove home the point as he passed around the cup and he passed around the bread. Paul reemphasized it for us again, and he reminded us, hey, early church, don't give up on this. Don't stop doing this. But as you gather together from time to time, you know, when you do this, do it in remembrance of Christ, when you partake of these elements. And for 2,000 plus years now, the church has been corporately gathering together and celebrating the work of Christ, of his broken body and his shed blood so that we might have relationship with Christ. And Paul reminds us of this, and I'll read this passage for you. It's a little lengthy, but in 1 Corinthians, he drives home the power of what we're getting ready to do. So I would like for you just to grab your communion elements, right? And because they're a little tricky to get open, I would just invite you to start opening them now as I read to you the power of what we're getting ready to do in worship with one another. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 26, says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying these things. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement Conferred, conferred, with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And he went on, and he finished. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Why don't you stand with me, please? And in all of our locations, just Pull back this tab until you expose the bread and take the bread out just for a moment. In North Platte, this bread, it represents the broken body of Jesus. In Kearney, this bread, it represents the passionate love of Jesus that he would give his life for you and me. Church, out of a heart of gratitude and passion for Christ, I would just encourage you that as we partake of this bread, let's remember that this represents the broken body of our Savior, that without it, we're nothing. Without it, we don't have a relationship with God. Let's worship together as we partake of this bread. And then there's the cup. The blood of Jesus. Jesus it washes our sins away. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses us. The blood of Jesus, without it, there's not closeness with God, there's distance from God. So as we partake of this, let's thank the Lord for his blood that was shed, that our sins might be forgiven. Let's take together. hearts for worship as in the tradition of this teaching series let's take this heart of passion and worship and let's declare it unto the lord by reciting the apostles creed together won't you join me i believe in god the father almighty the creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, he died, and he was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the holy Christian church, in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, my heart is full of of you right now. My heart's overwhelmed right now by your extreme grace that you showed to us on that cross. That as I even quoted these words from this Apostles' Creed, my emotions were stirred as I was reminded of your incredible compassion for us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken, that your blood was shed, that I might have life life forevermore wow so lord thank you that through the power of the holy spirit you reveal yourself to us have your way in our lives during this time of worship may we find ourselves passionately seeking you over these next few moments together may we find ourselves lost in your spirit just seeking you wanting to know you in a very personal way have your way in this church Have your way in this location, right now, in Jesus' powerful and precious name. And everybody said, Amen.